Hi, I'm Matthew McFarland. And I'm Eddie Estrada. And this is Highbrow. Lowbrow. What that bad word? Hello, Matthew. How, How are, are you? you? <laughs> I'm fine. <laughs> I'm fine. Uh, I don't know what's wrong with me today. I'm in a, in a mood. I think I just, well, there's a lot going on in the next uh, two weeks. I'm about to fly out to a wedding for my best friend's wedding. By the way, we got to do my best friend's wedding at some point. On the we podcast. will. We have Julia. On oh yeah, the Julia list. and Cameron and all those people. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I'm heading off to a wedding. There's a lot going on. Um. I just left. Um. A very special part-time job that I love. So I think I'm just I'm feeling all the feelings. How are you? I'm doing great. Um. Great. I I really liked the movies from this week. So I, I think this is the as a pair. This is like the best pair we've had. I think I have to agree with that. Yeah, I think this is. I think we're just like getting better with the, the pairs here, and one of them is kind. Of, one of them is Halloween themed, so I feel like we're yeah. doing everyone a, a good service. This is this episode's coming out on the twenty eighth, right? Yeah, right before Halloween. So, so this perfect. is our Halloween episode. Yeah, this is our Halloween episode. I mean, we can have a like a All Hallows Eve like fall solstice like episode for the first week oh, of no, november the next week is it's the fourth so it's the day before my birthday so oh okay so it's all about eddie so i'm gonna be choosing who we're gonna be doing and i i think we already decided we love this girly yeah we're so excited. it'll be a good one it'll be a good one um but before we get into our actor and our movies do you want to do our highbrow low brow moments of the week of course okay well why don't you start okay so if we're doing highbrow and lowbrow moments of the week so my highbrow has to be what we saw last evening. Oh, I, I thought this is what you were going to say. So we went to live theater because we don't always watch movies and TV. Sometimes we go out into the real world. Right. And we saw. And I and to be fair, I've already seen this because I, uh, until just recently, worked at the theater where this show was playing. So I have already seen it like a couple dozen times. But it was nice to be able just to sit and watch it without having to worry about audience members and patrons and stuff like that. But this is completely fresh for you. Completely fresh. I didn't know the story at all. No. We went to go see death of a salesman, which is playing right now at the Hudson theater. If you have not seen it yet, I highly recommend going and it just bring your tissues because I was crying at the end of act one. You were crying like five minutes in. yeah, you well, were you were crying. It got it started. To, I had started realizing what it was about, and I just started getting, getting really emotional because it like hit very deep. Mm-hmm. And so by the end of Act One, I was like, I literally ran from my seat and I was like, I'll meet you guys upstairs because I was like, I didn't want to cry in the theater, <laughs> so I ran up to the bathroom to shed a few tears. Yeah, um, as I do usually when I have an emotional theater moment, I try to get away from as many people as possible. Came back for Act Two, and. I wasn't the only one crying at act two. There was literally people sobbing and sniffling all around us in the yep. seats. Yep. It is a beautiful play. The way that they do it the, in this uh, iteration is with the Loman family. If you know the story at all, is played by an all black cast, which I think brings so much more nuance and depth to the story. Mm-hmm. I was watching it and I was like, I don't understand how this story could have been told with a white family mm-hmm. as the center previously, because I think I think what the story is trying to portray has so much more has so much more meaning when you put it in the frame of a black family during that time. Totally. Yeah. So um, it's the Pulitzer Prize winning Arthur Miller play that was written in the 60s about the 50s. Um, And yeah, I mean, the story um, with uh, a white family at the center is much more about like post World War Two, you know, uh, capitalism, uh, this 
idea of of um of trying to make it in America. Um, and you're right when you when you put the perspective of a black family in New York uh, in the 50s, it definitely changes um, a lot. And I mean, it to me, it showed both. It showed like it, it, I think it put a it put um, like a magnifying glass on what it was like for black people in the 50s. But it also it's I feel like it shows the universality of what the American dream is all about and how it, it can really destroy a family. Yeah. Um, and Wendell Pierce and Sharon Clark are just incredible, unbelievable in this production. Um, you know, I, I, I didn't talk about it too much on the show yet because I feel like I was biased because like I, I work there and I love these actors and the story, but it really is something special. It's running until January. Um, so if you haven't seen it yet, please do, um, tickets. Highly recommend. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really glad that you mentioned that one because it was very, very good. It was, it was, it, it took a lot from me too. Yeah. But I left the theater and I was like, I need to eat something. <laughs> I'm completely drained. Give me the water. Yeah. Uh, but it was, it was fantastic. What was your lowbrow of the week? Uh, a little show is back that I forgot premiered <laughs> and uh, premiered a couple weeks ago um, called La Brea. And if you have not watched it, I know you have not even thought about this show. I will never watch the show. Ever. It's, it's essentially, it's the, the craziest show. Like, it's not even a good show. I'm not, I mean, I I know my fellow Tarheads are out there. Taylor, I know you're watching. Um, but, because it's La Brea Tar Pits. No, I know. So the Tarheads. I know. Um, it's a completely bonkers show. It's so fun. <laughs> I love it. It's basically like people fall into a sinkhole in Los Angeles that transports them into the past, like prehistoric times. But okay. it ends up that there's a bunch of different sinkholes that actually are like trans. If there people are time traveling through the world and through time periods, okay. And they're trying to solve a mystery. And there's people in the prehistoric times who are younger versions of people who are living in modern times. So there's like identities and like it's all okay. about time loops and it's <laughs> absolutely bonkers. But if you like a good time, check out La Brea. <laughs> I will not. I watched but I'm the glad crazy, you liked I I'm glad the that they got, shit. you know, again, I, I, I'm keeping, keeping people. I'm all about there being things for those. So actors have work. I'm all about putting actors and people who work production to work. So if people are watching it and it's employing actors and, and, and creatives and crew and production. Great. Um, doesn't sound like my cup of tea though. So that's, that's me. Great. How about um, you? Well, my highbrow, um, I, I don't know if I've mentioned this before. Um, so I saw Into the Woods at the St. James for the third time uh, recently, but this was a different cast. And I just want to talk about one specific person in the show. Um, yes. Stephanie J. Block, Tony Award winner uh, for The Share Show, um, plays the baker's wife currently with her husband, Sebastian Arcellus. And... Her performing, it was still great. Everyone's great in it, but I just, her performance alone, it is one of the best performances of Baker's Web I've ever seen. I thought her moments in the woods was so brilliant. Uh, she, 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 uh, she did a take that was a slightly different take than I've seen. And it was just, 
she is incredible. And if you have not seen Stephanie J. Block live, you must go see it now. She was amazing. She was amazing. I've seen, I saw the show twice of your three times with you. Right. Um, we saw the old cast and we just saw the new cast. And there's only a couple change ups. Like there, it's there's you know it's, mo- it's mostly the same people. But Sarah Bareilles was our original Baker's wife, right? And she was lovely. She's amazing. She was amazing. I love Sarah Bareilles. You actually took me to go see Sarah Bareilles and Waitress as my first big New York musical, which was still one of my favorite things I've ever seen. Right. But Stephanie J. Block, I had never seen her before. Didn't had no idea who she was. You kept being like, you, you you're gonna be so excited for her. Like you're gonna love her. And I was like, I think you're more excited for me to see Stephanie J. Block. I mean, probably. Then, and now I get it. I get it. I'm signed on. I, I yeah. absolutely enjoyed it. She is just magnetic. It was so, incredible. Highly recommend. And then I actually have two for my lowbrow. Oh, wow. That I want to talk wow. about. Um, One is, it just came out this weekend, Black Adam, starring oh. uh, The Rock. Um, It honestly, uh, I was expecting it to be uh, not very good. It's not as bad as I thought it would be. Um, a lot. There's a lot of there there. There's a lot of things that work. I think the special effects are great. I think that most of the casting was spot on. Pierce Brosnan in particular plays Dr. Fate and was awesome. He really was sort of the, the, the center of the movie, I thought. Um, who almost was Batman. Who was all, almost the original Batman in the Tim Burton Batman. I just don't know, though, if The Rock was the right choice. I don't think there was a way that this movie got made without him because I'm pretty sure this was his passion project. He's been trying to get it made for over a decade. Um, I don't know if he was the right choice. We still like The Rock. No, I've I've never I've 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 never liked or disliked The Rock. I've never been like a I've never I really haven't had an opinion. Okay. I don't think he was the right choice for this. Um, I think there are other actors who would have been better. Um. And they, the story was there. Like, they had the story. The story was strong. I just felt like the right, like the individual pieces of writing were, were not, they were just, they could cut the fat here, change a couple lines here, simplify the backstory here, raise the stakes a little bit here. But it wasn't as bad as I thought. I think they have something to, I know they're making another one because it's commercially doing very well. So I think... They'll it'll hopefully just get better. They'll improve. I feel uh, like it wasn't gonna do commercially well because I saw so many freaking commercials. Well, for and it. so many commercials were saying buy tickets now, get your tickets now. So I don't know. I think maybe they just. I think they wanted it to be like a a two hundred million dollar film. Okay, that, well, I mean, in its first weekend, but I I'm it made I think over one hundred forty million worldwide like this first weekend. So it's doing just fine. Um, but yeah, not as bad as I thought it was gonna be. And then the other one that I wanted to bring up because we we've been meaning to talk about it. I don't, was, I don't want to talk about it because I already know we're going to get into a fight about it again. No, we're not getting into a fight. But Halloween ends, I did want to just bring it up because, um, and I'll make it, I'll make it quick and simple. And then you can do make it quick and simple. I just, I, I love Laurie Strode's story and I totally see what they were trying to do. I don't want to give anything away because I want people to see it. I totally see what they were trying to do. I get what themes and, and what they were trying to bring up in the story, unearth some new things that maybe we haven't talked about in previous iterations. I don't know if this was the time to do it. I wanted them to sort of wrap up Laurie Strode's story in a more glorious, like, uh, grand finale. And then maybe if they wanted to take the story further in another trilogy, 
plant seeds like this earlier on in the other two films in the Halloween, Halloween kills. Um, so I didn't love it. Um, but I did enjoy it. I kind of want to see it again on Peacock just to kind of make sure that I, I feel the same way. Um, again, I appreciate that we're trying to do. I don't, I'm, I think the execution was off. So what I'm going to say to that is I think you were wanting and expecting a bloodbath final battle. No. No? No. Because that's what it seems like. Because I do think the way that they did it was kind of the perfect way to end. And I don't want to ruin it, but I do feel like the way it ends needed to end this way because of what the story was trying to tell the whole time. And, and what... The original, the very, very original Halloween, uh, how that was kind of told and the way that story was. I mean, I want to, there's more things I want to say about this. And maybe we do like a podcast where we just debate this. Sure. Because, and maybe that's like a special podcast because I do want to, I do need to talk about the ending to kind of prove my point and just tell the whole story (laughs) as a whole. But if you're a true Halloween fan. See, this um, is where I have a problem is because you are, you are turning this into a fight. You are turning this into a fight because I am a true Halloween fan. And I just don't think that they the that the 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 concepts or the ideas that you're talking about, I don't think they planted the seeds of this in any other film, including the original. As Jamie Lee Lee Curtis says, this is a film about trauma. But I don't think if I just don't think that they planted again, if I, I, I challenge you to watch all three of these new ones in order. Because I, I think that things that were set up in the first one w- were negated in this third one. I do. So, again, was, I think we do need to actually it's a have... about trauma, community, and evil. And that's all I'm going to say. Fine. And people... And you're not, you're not alone, I want to say. Oh, lot, I know I'm not alone. A lot of people online are saying this, but the director, Jamie Lee, a lot of people are coming out and being like, Watch the movie again. So maybe we need to watch the movie it's like again. like all about Steve. Watch the movie. <laughs> Sandra saying watch okay. the movie again. We're moving on because <laughs> we could talk about no, this like I think for we, a full I think, podcast. I think we will. I think we'll have to kind of do a, ho- just a Halloween podcast in general and talk about maybe the original. All four. All four. Um, yeah. We'll have to just do a whole thing. Talk about maybe the different timelines. Maybe next Halloween. There are a couple different. There are a couple different Halloween timelines also. But this, this is the... They scrapped all of those. This iteration essentially is the original Halloween, then the three Halloween movies. Totally. So everything else does not matter. Halloween 2 does not matter. Halloween 3, Halloween I agree. I agree. The Rob Zombie junk. Oh we my don't God. want to talk no, about any of terrible. that. Terrible. <laughs> talk about low freaking brow. Okay. Um. So yeah, I just wanted to bring that up. Just, you know. Is it H2O or Halloween Resurrection that has Tyra in it? Uh, resurrection. <laughs> mm. Which I actually don't mind that timeline. No, neither do I. I don't mind that timeline at all. I actually... There's so many fun Halloween movies. Yes. But are. they did, they wanted to scrap all of those for this one. Which is okay. fair. Which is fair. Okay. Moving on to this week's... Now, our actor that we are going to be talking about ta- today is the wonderful Jesse Eisenberg. And the highbrow film will be The Social Network. And the lowbrow film... Cursed. Cursed. So before we get into it, I just kind of want to talk about Jesse Eisenberg just in general. Um... So, again, I'm sure I'm sure there's a lot more to the story, but Jesse um, got a lot of traction and and success early on in in his career. Um, he was his like his like debut was in the television drama 
or comedy drama, get real. And it only lasted for, I think a year. Um, and then, you know, he had roles in Roger, uh, Roger Dodger, the emperor's club, the village, the squid and the whale. But there were three films that sort of all came out at once that sort of propelled him into, um, you know, Kurt, he did cursed, which yeah, we're talking about today. His, yeah. But the three films that sort of propelled him into stardom were Adventureland, Zombieland, and the social network. After that, his career really took off. He was nominated. Have you seen Adventureland and Zombieland? Neither. I hear so we, they're great. We could also do a whole, we could even do Adventureland and Zombieland in a future, maybe season two, a, a Jesse redo. Or like a Kristen, isn't Kristen Stewart Kristen in one of those? Emma Stewart. Stone's in one of them well, too. Well, Emma Stone, if we do Emma Stone, we're going to talk about that. I have other things maybe I want to Maybe we'll do like The Favorite about. and we'll do Easy A. That's what I want to oh, do. Oh, Easy A, but that's, oh, that's such a good film. Um, so yeah, but those three films were sort of what propelled him into stardom. And then since then, he's done such things as like the Now You See Me series. He is. Love, um, have you seen the Now, me, now You See Me series? I think I saw the first one. Oh, they are both great. And they're doing another one. I love Now You See Me. And then he's <laughs> obviously a part of the DC universe. He's Lex, Lex Luthor, right? He's Lex Luthor. In the, in the, in the, the. Batman. <laughs> sometimes are good, sometimes are not good. Superman, Batman films. Um, but we're going to talk about the social network and talk about Cursed. Um, so. Do we want to start with social network or do we want to talk about Cursed first? I was going to ask, because usually we start with the highbrow film first, but I kind of think we should start with Curse, because Curse came first, LOL. LOL. That's about six years before. Um, and I just want to pre-warn everyone, I know Matthew usually nerds out about the movies and does a lot of background. And I'll do, a, I'll do a, quite a bit of nerding out for this, but I think this is your nerd out There's episode. so much history behind the Cursed film, yeah. and there's a lot I want to talk about, so I'm going to be deep diving, I'm going to be doing quotes. So let's start with Cursed. Let's, okay. Let's change it up. And let's do the lowbrow film first, and let's do Cursed. So do I need to do a synopsis? Yeah, let's do it. How about you do it? Yeah, a synopsis first and of I'll what do, happened I'll do cursed. bare bones. Like, we won't get into deep, like, super nitty-gritty details. Because okay. I, I know you and I both have notes, but I want you to start with all your notes first. Okay, okay. All right. Um, it is, I'm assuming it's set in 2004 when it, you know, it's made. Um, and you've got Ellie and Jimmy, brother and sister, okay. played by Christina Ricci. I love her and Jesse Eisenberg. Okay. Um, they, um, Christina is like just barely an adult. Uh, Jimmy is still in high school and, um, we find out pretty like right, pretty much right away that their parents died in, I believe a car accident. They died tragically. And Mm -hmm. so, uh, Ellie and Jimmy have sort of had to like look out for each other and take care of each other. Um, Ellie is trying to, she works for a uh, television news program, mm-hmm. like the Late Late Show. Yeah. Um, and uh, Jimmy's a high school student. Yes. Um, he's not very popular, it would seem. A little bit of a nerd. Mm-hmm. Um, they're driving home one night in, um, on Laurel, is it Laurel Canyon or Marlboro? Mar- they're Mulholland. the Mulholland. Mulholland, near Coldwater. Yeah. I died. Um, and uh, they get hit by something. It's some sort of, they think it's a dog, they think it's an animal, and unfortunately, they veer off and they crash into a young woman's car. She goes tumbling, and um, and look, but luckily, the woman is alive. They're trying to help her, and then out of nowhere, something um, takes her and rips her into a million pieces, and uh, in doing so, also scratches um, Ellie and Jimmy. Um, they go home and they start to feel weird. They start to feel, um, there's like an, they start to feel like an aura of like strength around them. They start to feel overtly sexual, overtly confident. 
Um, their their physical features are improving, but they're also having crazy nightmares and weird side effects, and they have a bloodlust and a bloodthirst. Um, and you know, Jimmy, being the nerd, does his research and finds out that they may have been the victims of a werewolf attack and that they are cursed now. Um, they don't get too much into the the werewolf folklore. They get into just enough of it to justify what's going on in the film. Um, there, there is um, it's sort of arbitrary whether or not you um, fully transition to being a werewolf within like the the moon cycle or whatever. But. Um, they are approached by a uh, medium who was kind of introduced at the beginning of the film, played by Portia de Rossi, which yes. I freaking lost it, lost my mind. Um, and she sort of warns uh, Ellie that she's been cursed, that it's someone that she knows, that they're close to this person. And um, if they're not careful, the beast will destroy them because that's what, that's what they do to kind of, I don't know. Uh, you'll fill in the blanks. Um, Long story short, it is discovered that uh, that Ellie's um, lover, played by Joshua Jackson, a Dawson's Creek fame, um, he is sort of the um, he's the the werewolf who has been attacking people and even changing some people into werewolves as well. Uh, Ellie's boss, Judy Greer, reveals herself to be um, a victim of the curse as well, and she. Um, you know, there's a great scene at this bar that's opening or this club that's opening up where uh, Judy Greer goes nuts and tries to destroy everybody. She ends up getting pinned down and, and slain. Um, and yet Ellie and Jimmy are still cursed. So they find out that they have to destroy the original wolf that set all this emotion, which ends up being Joshua Jackson. There's this big penultimate scene where they fight it out at the house. Um, Joshua Jackson is destroyed and things turn back to normal. And Ellie and Jimmy are closer than ever. Um, all I'll say before uh, you go is, uh, even though there are some mm, there's some issues with this movie, I thought this was a great idea for a movie. I thought this cast was awesome. I had a lot of fun watching this. Like, I think they really had it going for them until the end. I think the end is what kind of they got a ton of wires crossed and a ton of that's where like the the holes in the plot really were revealed. But I enjoyed it. I think I'm going to watch this every Halloween now. It's a good Halloween I mean, film. you can't really go wrong with Wes Craven and Kevin Williamson. Um, yeah. So go ahead. Did so, I, get, I got pretty much the gist, No, right? you got the gist. And 100% you're right. This movie ended wrong. <laughs> this movie is actually not the original movie that they wanted to make. So Wes oh, Craven really? was actually working on Pulse, another horror film at the same time. Okay. And the Weinsteins wanted him to do cursed instead they had this script for cursed and they wanted to make this essentially the werewolf scream um they wanted to it has a scream total scream vibe which i loved i loved it the original script was more screamy in the sense that there was less attacks less violence and it was more character and story driven than anything else there are full characters and stories uh in the original film that were completely cut um i'm just gonna read a couple quotes from some of the actors okay um just to kind of give a little background and then i'm gonna go deep into the kind of background lore and then kind of what happened in the movie that we just saw so uh joshua jackson originally um wasn't supposed to be the main love interest for um uh, Ellie. It was okay. actually supposed to be Skeet Ulrich from Scream as well. Oh. Um, and he played a completely different character named Vince, who is like a Hollywood playboy, like the son of like a rich Hollywood guy. Okay. Um, Joshua said, 
The craziest part is that after we finished the whole second version of the film, we had to go back for a third reshoot, which lasted about 20 days. That's like the length of an independent movie. And then we had to go back a fourth time for 10 days. And they what? made shirts that said cursed for back for more. Wait, Judy Greer. I don't know why that movie got so effed up. I don't understand it. I thought the script was fine. Honest to God, I didn't get I didn't get the big deal. I don't know who kept making them F with it. Then we shot the movie for like seven years. I think they said we have four movies worth of footage. It was so fun, but so weird. I don't get it. I couldn't figure it out. <laughs> In 2019, Jesse Eisenberg gave his thoughts on what as well. Um, the first movie was more interesting and provocative. I don't know why it wasn't working. Now that we know the behind the scenes of the Weinstein company, it makes sense as to why it was so chaotic. They filmed 90% of the bigger budget version. That first movie was a very splashy thing. So the first movie, everyone is like, was great. Bob Weinstein was the original and be like, nope, it's not good enough. We need to go back. And then was like, no, we need to go back. We need, we need it to be more gory. We need it to be bigger. They originally had, oh gosh, I'm going to forget his name really quick, but the man who did um, all of the horror makeup and werewolves, werewolf in London, Harry and the Hendersons, like a oh, okay. Academy Award winning makeup director originally was going to do the werewolves. They scrapped that and decided to go CGI because of the times, which in the original movie, it would have worked better with the with like the makeup and stuff. Yeah, I from didn't what hate, it sounds like. I didn't hate the werewolf. <laughs> no, the werewolf was fine. I think for this movie and this version of the movie, it was great. Um, but yeah, it was originally uh, announced. The movie was announced in 2002, and then it took three years to come out. So it was already kind of, you know, uh, it was kind of always backwards. Before I... Before I get into what the original film was going to be, um, I'm just going to talk about this version of the film really quick. So, yeah, <laughs> it starts with Portia Rashi, Shannon Elizabeth, who if I love her and she was such an She's icon of great. the 90s. And Maya. And Maya, too. Yeah, Maya plays um, Before she went cuckoo Jenny's crazy. best friend. Um, or sorry, Becky's best friend. I got their names mixed up. Um, and actually, Shannon was a lot bigger of a part in the film originally. It wasn't actually Judy Greer's character. They added Judy Greer in later. It's, it's a whole, I mean, I love Judy Greer though. Wondrous thing. So she was supposed to be more, Judy Greer was still in it, but she was the publicist role for Scott Baio was actually supposed to be, I believe Shannon Elizabeth's character. Um, Ah, okay. And she wasn't actually supposed to die until later. She was actually the big bad at the end of the movie, which I'm going to get into. Oh, Um, and then they changed it up and made it Judy Greer because Judy Greer was also going to be a, a werewolf as well, but she was, she was also the reason for her killing. So let me just talk about this movie really quick. Yeah. So essentially what happens is like you said, um, Shannon and Maya get this like whole situation where they think they're, they're basically warned by Portia Rossi, the fortune teller that, um, the beast is coming for them. They need to be worried. Um, Maya doesn't go home with, um, Shannon, Shannon gets into the car accident. The, the wolf takes her in the car accident involves Jesse, um, and Ellie, who originally weren't actually brother and sister in the original script. Oh, they weren't. Um, it was a car accident between three different people. Um, and they are all, they all, it's, it was Skeet Ulrich as Vince, Jesse as Jimmy and Ellie. They all are the ones trying to help because of the car accident and they all get cursed. They kind of get thrust in. Oh, see, that's yeah. actually more interesting. And so they're all Strangers dealing, getting thrust into this. And so they're not actually related and they're all dealing with it separately, but together at the same time, they all are connected. Okay. Um, so in this movie, in this version of the movie, the fourth version, evidently that came out, and also also Wes Craven was so pissed about this. He was really mad. 
everyone who worked on the film was actually really upset that it was basically steamrolled by the Weinstein company and basically Bob Weinstein being like, no, I want to change it. I don't, I don't like it. Audiences aren't going to like it. We need to make more money off this. When I think the original film would have been way better. I can't. And I just want to give a quick shout out to Brian Collins from Scream Fest. It's a blog. He actually got a hold of the original. They still have all the footage out there um, and the original versions. And he was able to watch uh, version A and version B and how it changed. And I'm going to go into that a little bit okay. um, about how the story was supposed to be. And he said both films are actually better than the one that came out. Oh. And he d- he watched it last year. And they actually had a, because he released this, and th- and not just because he released this, but back in 2018, they actually had a hashtag, um, release the Craven cut. Um, they wanted Wes-, Wes Craven's original version to be released, oh. even though it- they didn't complete the ending. Um, but it doesn't have enough like people behind it to like actually do it. But who knows one day, maybe they'll be maybe able to they'll release to this it and they'll want to release they'll it listen now. to us. Um, but yeah, so the brother and sister basically are dealing with this whole thing. Um, they come to find out that there's a werewolf attacking. They think at the end it's, um, Joshua Jackson who's been killing all these people, but it's not, it's actually Judy Greer's character because she's actually in love with Joshua. Um, and when she slept with him one time, Things got a little wild and he scratched her and like they got frisky in bed and she became a werewolf and she's just so jealous of everyone else that he's sleeping with like Shannon Elizabeth and then Maya hits on him at the party and then Ellie. So she's going after all the people that are basically his competition for her mm-hmm. to um, win his love essentially. Right. Um, and then she's foiled at the end. You realize the curse isn't done and then jo- you realize Joshua Jackson's evil in the original film. He wasn't evil. The second version of the film, he wasn't evil. Right. Um, and he wasn't even in the original first version of the film. He was a very minor character that was already just Ellie's boyfriend. And then they moved him into like this other role. Interesting. Um, the original film was more of like a serial killer in New York City, a werewolf serial killer. Um, Wes Craven originally did not really like that idea because it was too close to Vampire in Brooklyn, which was an Eddie Murphy movie we were going to do. Right. Um, which is about a serial killer going around New York City, but he's vampire. Very similar. Angel yeah. Bassett's also in that movie. Yeah. Um, so after a couple of rewrites, they came up with this new film. The original story is, like I said, these three people are thrust into being cursed. You have um, teenager Jimmy, whose father was originally played by um, John C. McKinley from Scrubs and Stand Against Evil. Oh, um, okay. Stand Against Evil would be kind of the character that he would have been. They are like werewolf. They're werewolf knowledgeable. They're kind of werewolf hunters in a sense, which is why he knows... He does all the research about vampire or werewolves and all that, um, which I think he would have been so funny and good in this. And it's, it's sad, but um, yeah, Vince was like a rich boy, Hollywood, whatever party boy. And Ellie was Ellie. She was, you know, an up and coming working in the industry. Um, Essentially what the story was going to be was three, um, three people and three versions of the curse. So Jemmy obviously embraces it. And it's actually funny because all they basically didn't reshoot most of Jesse's scenes except for the family parts. Okay. All the high school scenes with Milo and the other girl that's like in that he's in love with Becca or whatever. Those scenes were all the same. Gotcha. Um, only thing they changed with Milo and Jimmy and Jesse was um, Milo actually came out as gay to Jesse after they get attacked by the dog. 
not before. So they just flip flip that. Got but it. Love that Milo Ventimiglia because the whole time he's making fun of Jimmy, he's like, yeah, he's I like didn't love boy. the the homophobia, but like but when you when when they when they when you realize it's internalized homophobia, and, and then he comes out as gay, that makes it made sense. And but like it was, it is a very like early two thousands thing to do, like insult someone because you know you're they're, they're gay, gay, and, and then and you're like, oh, and he's like, no, I realize, and then because he's so attractive, because he's a werewolf. He's like, oh, I actually, I actually like you, and I, I think, oh, it takes one to know one, and that's a whole other layer, yes, of, of werewolves yes. and queer coding of werewolf nature, and it's totally. just, it just really goes deep into I that the whole same sense. thing. After, I was like, yeah. wow, this is they really had thought this out. Um, there's no such thing as a safe space with a werewolf. Like, there's just so <laughs> many, so many good things about this. Um, yeah, so basically you had Jimmy who embraces the werewolfism because it's helping him be popular in high school. Totally. He's getting the girl. He's this cool guy. Ellie is ignoring it because she doesn't want it to be true, which still is true in this movie. And then Vince is fearing it because um he actually kills one of the girl one of the girls that ends up dead is like someone that he slept with. And he wakes up the next morning and doesn't blacks out after being on the date with her. So he doesn't actually even remember. So he's nervous that he's, he's the nervous one that, that did he's it. But the really, one. Okay. And it's kind of reforming him from being this party boy. Interesting. He thinks, like, he's partying too much. See, and that's oh, the reason. God, this is way more interesting already. And actually Ellie and him, even though Ellie's kind of has like the relationship with uh, her ex, her boyfriend in the film. She ends up falling for Vince through the movie because they all see that's more interesting. And you don't know who the killer is until the very end. Kind of like this one uh, in the original film. But they didn't film the actual ending. But the ending was every single main character: Jesse Eisenberg's uh, Ellie, Vince, Jesse's girlfriend, or the the girlfriend from high school, Joshua Jackson, Judy Greer, Scott Baio. They're all and Alicia and Elizabeth. They're all in. They all run into tinsel and they all get locked in. So you're trying to figure out who is the werewolf during this like kind of these scenes. That's and people are way getting, more fun. Yes, it's a hundred percent more fun. Uh, Scott Bale was actually supposed to be the one that's like killing all the people I love that he was in this randomly. Um, but that was the joke was like, you think it's Scott Bale because he's like one of the werewolves. Right. But it's actually his PR agent, Shannon Elizabeth, who's finishing the killings for him. Cause he can't, he can't do it. And Scott, at the end, I guess in the original Scott Bale gets like super more famous after all of this, like, cause oh he's part God. of this story, but like, it's a much it's a much better film. And the reason Shannon Elizabeth wasn't supposed to be the first kill is because they actually had cast Mandy Moore as the first kill in this film. And she is in the final cut for a split second cut her and you miss her at the party. I definitely miss her. Um, and it's a very wide shot. You wouldn't know unless you like, like Brian Collin said, unless you saw the original film. It was her, but she's talking to uh, Scott Bayo in a werewolf costume at a Halloween party, and she's actually the first kill. That's wild. Um, yeah, so I feel bad for Shannon because Shannon was supposed to be a lot bigger in this. Yeah. Um, I feel bad for Skeet because he had to pull out because it was just too much reshooting and they couldn't complete the film, and his role was basically cut. In the second version of the film, um, and I think they actually were – not the second version, but like a th- the a thirdest version, an alternate ending for this is Joshua Jackson actually isn't evil. Um, at the end, he actually begs Ellie to kill him because she realizes that it's gonna mess up her and her brother. See, I thought that that was what was coming. Yeah, I thought that he was gonna show up and be like, "You need to kill me." Yeah, and it'd be this emotional. And then, yeah, yeah, and that was what it was supposed to be. 
Cause like yeah, cause again, yeah, the, because he becomes evil, and you're like, where did this where come did this from? Come because from, he really and then like, what do you, you think that she's gonna just? We're gonna kill. Yeah. She's gonna be cool with you killing the brother, and then like, cause the the werewolf curse doesn't doesn't change who she is mentally. Yeah, but it's it's I, yeah. I it's, was like, you've you've lost me. You've lost me. So, yeah, it was gonna be a completely different film, and. I mean, the other versions of this film sound so much better and it makes me mad because I love this movie and I think it, w- I think it could have been a whole other Scream franchise. Well, I think that like... And it also took place in high school. They filmed it at a high school instead. Instead of people rebooting stuff, I mean, don't get me wrong. If a, if a good, if a reboot's good, great. Like, yeah. I don't really care. But like, instead of reviving or rebooting things, like I really think studios and directors and like screenwriters, they really should dust off old scripts, old scripts and things that were because of, you know, horrible people like the Weinsteins who ruined so many good concepts and movies. I think now that those people are getting what they deserve, I think they should go back and re, re- Cause, revamp. Cause Christina Ricci is getting a resurgence right now. As yeah. she deserve, deserves. Jesse Eisenberg is still relevant. Joshua Jackson. Everyone oh got people would love to see him again. I think honestly they could refilm the ending of this. I think they could, they could, release the craving cut film the ending because everyone basically almost looks the same as they did back then they haven't aged today even shannon shannon still looks they, great yeah and i have a soft spot for shannon because shannon has the shannon elizabeth foundation she is like saving animals in south africa and like i just i i i just i think she's great and i she's doing this uh i think it's like love for Muna right now it's like a short she's trying to get money for a short film where she actually has rescued this blind rhinoceros and is like nursing it back to health. Like she's a freaking wow. hero. All right. All right. Um, but I mean, Wes Craven really doesn't make junk in my eyes. And this felt really off. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I mean, and I think the biggest takeaway for me for this is let artists be artists and let the artists like actually do their movie. And we need to get rid of these studio heads, these people who think they know what's best for the movie and it's all for profit because like studio heads have to be collaborators. They have to be, they can't be like, if I would love to like have them all the money in the world and just like, be like, no, this is how you want to make the movie. Yeah. We'll test it with an audience. And all I, I don't want to know how much money it's going to make. It's just going to be like, what emotion does it bring from the people? Is this the emotion that you wanted to bring from your film? And if it doesn't match that, then we go rework it. Yeah. Because yeah, movies make cost a lot to make, but at the end of the day, if they're a good movie, they're going to make the money. It does not need to be, bing bang zoom and hit all xyz points it makes me so frustrated yeah um but that's i mean that's me nerding out about this i literally talked about all the different iterations of this film i love it um if you want to read more go check out scream fest um blog and scroll down literally 2021 was when brian collins did this whole write-up and he explains it a lot better than i did if i i got a couple wires crossed when i was talking about it because so many different things happened during the production um, sounds like a mess. It was, a, it was a mess. I mean, it was announced in 2002 and then took three years to make. It didn't come out until 2005. The fact that they had to go back and film four times and basically film four movies. That's so much and everyone came money out. and talent. Exactly. Exactly. Um, what other notes do I, well, I, I, that the, was that I'm done. I love the top of the, film. <laughs> I was sort of hooked from the beginning when that punk rock band was singing the Hey Little Red Riding oh, Hood Oh, Little song. Red Riding Hood. I was like, I'm in. Maya, I was like, I believe it was three doors down, but I could be wrong. Seeing Maya and seeing Shannon and seeing Portia, I was like, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in. Maya before she went crazy. And then 
Milo shows up or Milo. What, what I can't think of. Ventimiglia. Yeah. Oh my God. Oh, also oh, Wilmerville drama was supposed to be in the original film. Omar Epps was supposed to be in the original film. Mandy Moore, Skeet Ulrich. Like there had so many other See, rising bud, budding so, stars. But yeah, I, the, I'm, I'm glad that eventually the homophobia came out as internalized and that he was really gay. I all loved along that Because part. the fag town stuff, I was like, I can say that, but you can't say that. But no, that was, that was the point. But was again, like, I, yeah. I'm glad, I'm glad that they, cause I got, when, when he kind of started throwing it back at him, I was like, oh, okay, this will come up later. But initially I was like, blah, blah, blah. Um, Nick Offerman oh, yeah. was the cop. Love that. Um, I just loved his internet. I just thought his internet search was so funny when Jimmy gets on the computer and it's just like, da, da, da. Oh, all this information. Da, 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 da. I just, again, the internet had just sort of started to blow up, up at that up. point. So I don't know. I, I laughed when I went to she, uh, Christina Ricci goes, why can't you just download porn like regular teenagers? I, I was like, oh my God. So good. Oh, and like the Little Red Riding Hood cuckoo clock too. It was bizarre. Like that's the thing is like that, 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 that motif of Little Red Riding Hood and the wolf. Like I, I was like, oh, that's a cool thing. Like is that, how will that get tied into the rest of it? But they just wanted. Just... And I think originally would have because you had Jesse and John as vampire hunters, yeah. werewolf hunters. The dad knew a Love lot. Love Judy Greer. Did they, the high school, was that Sunnydale? That very much. Yes. Looked, yeah. That was. From Buffy the Vampire yes. Slayer. I'm glad that you caught that. It, it 100% was Sunnydale. Yeah. Um, Love the wrestling scene. Like I think that was my favorite scene. Yeah. When he like, holds him upside down. Oh yeah. Like, just... The best thing about fairies, they know how to fly. Yeah. I, I love that. Love that scene. <laughs> Um, and then I wrote like, oh, Joshua Jackson is the beast, right? I literally at one point was like, oh, he has to be one, at least one of them. Cause I, I had a yeah. feeling there might be one more than one, but I was like, oh, he's gotta be one of them. Milo is gay. Yes. I wrote multiple times. Um, <laughs> Judy, Judy Greer does not get enough credit even to this day. No, she is such a good actor and such a good character actor and fully commits and fully like, I'm sure she walked in and was like, oh, I'll give you, I can do a hundred takes. Like, what do you want? I've got this. I've got this. I've got this. Like, I, I know she's on reboot right now on, on, yeah. on Hulu or whatever it's on or whatever network, but um, I think it's Fox maybe, but I think it's a Hulu original. Oh, okay, good. Because she, I still need her to get more recognition, more work because she's just, she's just fabulous. And yeah, the notes I wrote, the N word, the movie was almost there. The ending was wild, but I loved it. Question mark. Like I thoroughly enjoyed it. I, and I just now hearing all this from you, I really released the Craven cut. That's and how I, I feel. And about I believe it now. in the original, they don't actually break the curse. I think they all stay where. Well, yeah, because I'm sure they were thinking about making this a trilogy. Yeah. Like, and they could have, and the curse could have been broken in the third one. Like, this had all the makings of a great. Yeah, and I think trilogy. I, yeah, because they wanted to do a new take on a werewolf film, and this felt just like a very, like kind of every other werewolf movie. You know what I mean? And yeah. they, wa- they kind of wanted to like scream, break the mold and make it the scream of werewolf films. Yeah. And it ha- the original story is there because you have three different people trying to figure out who's killing and they all think it's each other. Essentially. Then you have Shannon Elizabeth, who you would never, ever guess as the big bad is actually the one doing all the killing for Scott Bale. Right. And like, and the way, you know, again, if they had invested a little more again in this first film, yeah. if they invested more time in sort of like the, cause they don't need a lot, but like simple, basic werewolf folk- folklore. Yeah. Had they invested a little more time and just peppering that in, like the, the curse could like, um, they, like you could conceive where like the curse is amplified when there's like a, uh, there's something's going on with the moon. Something's going well, on, you know what I mean? And so the end of the first film, 
could have been like this is the end of the cycle so like everyone feels like more normal Safe, but another but then, moon cycle's coming but yeah you know well if the thing is is there was actually not going to be as much blood and gore in the original original um there was i guess maya's death didn't come until wasn't going to come until an hour until the movie there wasn't going to be any other additional death speaking of which i got to say i i like when and in the screen movies i feel like this is pretty well represented as I like it because you, you know when you're in a movie theater and there's sometimes the characters are so dumb and they're yeah. making such st- stupid decisions that it just takes you out of it I what I love about the scream films is like there's so many instances where the characters really do what you would do but they yeah. still get caught in the end so when Maya pretends or go, she goes underneath the car but then she makes a noise so that she can get on top of the thing and like keep her foot up and then throw her you know throw her shoe to make a noise like I loved all that. I thought yeah. it was a very well crafted scene because I and you think she's gonna get away maybe just and then so I thought that was great and her death was supposed to be ten times gorier. Um, I actually subscribe now. I did it this year because I wanted to get um start collecting. But Fangoria is a very famous like um horror magazine, and they would you know um they they actually did in two thousand and two when this movie was coming out. They did a, a a featurette on the special effects, and they showed actual. Maya's body was supposed to be completely dismembered and they had the photos of that in there. They had Joshua Jackson's um, severed head as a werewolf in there as well. Like there were things that they didn't, that they, they were promoting that never made it into the final film. Well, yeah. And like, I, it's, you know, when Judy Greer just gets shot a thousand times and Christina Ricci goes, is she dead? And Jesse just goes, yeah, brain spilled. That should do it. I'm like, no. no you made you such a big deal, deal about separating the head yeah. from the heart. Like, come on. It d- that part pissed me pissed off. Pissed me so off. much because you need to sever the heart from the head. And like so. the, the stainless steel like picture frame. Like, why would she lie about that? Well, because I guess it, it, now that you've told me that she's in denial, 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 yeah. she would knowingly had that point been more reinforced that she's in denial land and they weren't siblings. So that wouldn't right. even have been in the film. They were supposed oh, to just be, they this were movie was three acquaintances that just all happen to be cursed and they're all dealing with it in different ways. Yeah. It's a brilliant concept. I don't know. It, ins- it, it, it makes me upset. And honestly, it makes me a little bit excited because I feel like movies are now moving more towards the artist gets the choice and the director gets the choice. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm hoping, I mean, you see stuff like the Snyder Cut happening. Yeah. With situations like that. Which and you do have like the Snyder Cut. I know, but you had the studio already being like, no, that's not what we want. The, and then when they, he got to release his own version, it was so good. So good. Even, yeah, it was horrible. Well, and it worked long. out for them because Joss Whedon ended up being a terrible person yeah. and not worth uh, give, putting our money behind. So, so that's good. But yeah, I would love to see them release it. I'm all about it. And I love this movie. Even Y'all. If for all the messes that it has, it's so Let's fun. Get it released. It's silly at points. The best scene, the one that we had, I I felt bad for showing you the scene that kind of like revealed it, but you so hope you forgot. Funny. It it's, makes so much more sense now, too. I was like, why would she be insulting the werewolf that like that? But it's Judy Greer. It's Judy Greer. <laughs> and then like the middle finger, that killed me. Which originally that was like the werewolf actor did that on a whim. That was all improv. And like they thought it was so good that they kept Oh, it. I mean, I would too. I'd be like, oh, cut print, moving on. That's yeah. brilliant. Brilliant. So fun stuff. All right. Do you want to move on to the social network? Yeah, I'm done. That was literally, I literally had a Matthew moment. No, but like, <laughs> that's what this podcast is about. Yeah. Um. So now moving on to a completely different film. 
one that from what it sounds like from the moment it was decided that it would be made, it just went off without a hitch. Mm-hmm. Um, so the social network 2010, it is a, a, um, a, dr- a highly dramatized, fantastical retelling of the, of, uh, the biographical story of the, um, creation of Facebook. It follows the lawsuits that occurred, um, following Facebook sort of um, tearily taking off. And so there are flashbacks and stuff like that. So um, it follows, of course, Mark Zuckerberg um, and uh, his best friend, Eduardo Saverin, um, who uh, were the two uh, original co-founders of Facebook. It talks about the story of uh, them through college um, and then the impending lawsuits that come uh, as a result of Facebook being created. So why don't you give uh, just a brief synopsis of what you think the, of like the movie? Oh, I mean, that is the synopsis. It's well, yeah. I mean, so then I'll just kind of describe. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, so, so Mark Zuckerberg is a sad little boy who can't get a date. Okay. Maybe I, hold on. Let me, maybe I should. No, I'm going to give my synopsis. Okay. So Mark Zuckerberg is a la- sad little bitch who can't get a date. So he decides to be a total tool and create Face Smash, which is a ranking site for girls on the Harvard campus. He gets in trouble because he hacked into all these places. And then, but the Winklevoss twins played by Cannibal Army Hammer. Um, and this other guy who's from The Handmaid's Tale, I can't remember his name. Um, they decide to like use his smarts to create <laughs> um, an exclusive MySpace. Um, that would only be for Harvard students. And Mark Zuckerberg is like, mm, actually, this is a really good idea. I'm going to make it with my best friend, Eduardo, because I think I could do it better. So he goes behind their back and basically creates it in like a week without them. I think maybe that's the timelines off, but whatever. <laughs> um, and so it starts to pick up and Mark Zuckerberg is like really jealous because Eduardo is like super popular and hot because he's played by Andrew Garfield and everyone wants a piece of Eduardo and nobody wants a piece of Mark. So as like Eduardo's like social life is like going up, Mark is just working on this Facebook and like trying to get like all the back end. Then like it's unknown whether or not Mark actually like sabotages um, Eduardo getting into the Phoenix officially with like some chicken story about like a cannibal chicken. And then um, the Winklevoss twins lose um, the rowing tournament at Harvard and find out that like basically Facebook has like blown up everywhere, including Stanford where, um, uh, uh, Justin Timberlake is, an, uh, play Sean Parker who basically trolls around college campuses for girls, um, to sleep with them. And that's how he found out about Facebook. And he's the guy who did Napster. So you already know he's, um, one not to be trusted. Um, and basically he kind of takes over, uh, the whole, I guess, situation of Facebook and like the business side. They get Peter Thiel, who is like a total trash person, if you know anything about him, um, to like fund it. Um, and then they like push out Eduardo, which is really sad. And there's a really great scene. But then Sean Parker basically gets like ousted because he's a coke addict and does like coke off of like 19 year old girls. Um, and what else? Brenda Song is in it. And that's all I got to say. And I love Brenda song. <laughs> I was that, waiting for and, you to bring that up. And oh yeah. And then there's also the lawsuits the whole time. And he keeps cutting back and forth between, uh, the lawsuits and the actual like history of it. And then in the end you find out what happened with all the lawsuits 
and you realize that Mark Zuckerberg is still a sad little bitch. So I would sure. I I mean I think I think it's a little more nuanced than that, but yes, basically you're correct. Um, and uh, it's um Max M- uh, Mangela. Who's Max Miguel? He plays Divya Narendra. Oh, who is, I was like the Handmaid's Tale guy. Yes, the Handmaid's Tale and guy. And who's the girl that Sean Parker's sleeping with? I know her from somewhere. That's, um, uh, what's her face from uh, Fifty Shades of Grey? Dakota. Yeah. I love her. I love limes. Limes are my favorite. No, Ellen, that's not true. Dakota Johnson. Yeah. That's who it is. Yeah. Which I, <laughs> which again, I haven't seen this film in a long time and I didn't, it didn't click for me because this was one of her first things, so it didn't click for me that that was her back then, but now, obviously, she's Dakota Johnson. Okay. Um, so, yes. Um, the the We start uh, with Mark Zuckerberg, 19-year-old sophomore. Um, he's just... He's dumped by his girlfriend um, because he's an asshole. He's a highly intelligent um, computer science uh, programmer. I hate it when he goes, you don't need to study. She's like, why don't I need to study? He's like, because you go to BU. I was like, what a dick. Yeah. So, um, from the, from the jump we're we were, we're getting a big taste of the kind of brand of highly intelligent, misogynistic, um, sort of, uh, what we now know to be sort of, um, like an, an incel, yeah. uh, kind of person. But it both, it's male, male toxic masculinity on all fronts. Totally. The Winkle Totally. Totally. Yeah. So 19 year old, uh, sophomore at Harvard university gets done by his girlfriend and in like a drunken sort of, um, rage, he live blogs about her while simultaneously, uh, shutting down the Harvard network by creating this thing called face mash, where he takes all of the Facebook profiles, um, of all the different houses on campus at Harvard and create sort of um like what we like honestly you could literally call it like Tinder you could call it like yes it's yeah, like, like which one do you want to choose yeah like who would you who would you sleep with out of these two women it's 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 eerie how these little tiny things like are now so much a part of like our culture it's it's really sad but anyway um he um gets into trouble uh the, the site crashes um he gets six months of academic probation um but it brings him a lot of notoriety on campus, which is actually something that he wants because one of Mark's um, wants is he wants to be in one of the high profile secret society social clubs that are on campus. They're like fraternities basically. Um, but they, uh, in the Ivy league, so just, they're very high profile. Uh, getting into one of these is like, um, it, it sets you up for life. And, uh, you, you know, I've uh, always wanted to be part of secret society. They talk about how Teddy Roosevelt was in, I think the porcelain is the one that, um, uh, there's the Portland and the Phoenix are the two that are talked about a lot. Yeah. And, um, Mark just wants to be a part of it. You know, he wants to be accepted. So gets the, um, attention of, uh, of the Winklevoss twins and this guy Divya. And they basically have this idea for what's called Harvard connection. It's a dating site that is sort of like MySpace or Friendster, but it's exclusive to the Harvard EDU network. You have to have a Harvard EDU, uh, email address, email address to, to gain access. Um, and, Mark says initially, yes, I would like to, um, I'll, I'll help you out slightly also resenting them thinking that he, uh, slightly resenting them because they think that Mark needs the good press because of what's been going on with him. But he sort of goes home, ruminates about it and decides that there's actually a bigger thing here. There's a bigger, um, like the, the exclusivity of the EDU is good, but the idea of just having 
a network where everyone can see what everyone's doing at all times, taking the social network of college and putting it online. Um, cause that's and all having it more private than my space. Exactly. And the idea of that's what all like how you, what, what classes you pick, who you sit next to, where you go to hang out on campus. It's all about hooking up, all about making connections with people, all about finding your person. So he, um, gets his friend Eduardo Saverin, um, in on it, who is a very intelligent guy, very business like minded, um, you know, as portrayed brilliantly by Andrew Garfield is much more of like a more um, emotionally. I literally wrote Andrew Garfield is a star. Is a star. His final scene at Facebook, I when he's just spitting, I was like, this is us. Incredible. So, um, you know, uh, so uh, Eduardo also comes from a very wealthy family um, and, uh, and, a, and a biracial family. I think it's Jewish and uh, he's Brazilian Brazilian. Um, so, and he's white passing, which is, is sort of important. Um, but um, they decide to do this together. Eduardo really not knowing about the Winklevoss twins and what they had um, like brought forward to Mark um, and six weeks go by and Mark slowly um, develops his own coding, his own programming for this site. Yeah. Only the only real thing that he takes from the Winklevoss is the idea of using the, um, your college email address as access. Um, this idea, uh, gains, um, traction fast. Um, they expand to Yale, Columbia and Stanford right away. As you said, this catches the eye of Sean Car, Sean, Sean Parker, Sean Parker, who is, um, just coming off of the failed Napster and is looking for his next thing. And, um, Mark is very um, caught up and taken by the idea of Sean Parker having been 19 and created Napster and caused, caused like such a stir. And the billion dollar valuation that he foresees, which we know today is very, very true. Is true. Um, but, and he is also the one that I guess in this, in this retelling of the story, he is the one that um, kind of uh, says, we'll just drop the, the make it Facebook. And that's basically his biggest contribution. Um, and as we said, this is sort of told through the lens of these separate lawsuits going on in present day. So, mm-hmm. um, with fantastic lawyer Rashida Jones. Rashida Jones is very good in the. I mean, everyone is very good in this. Everyone's film. The very ca- good. The casting is just this so. This movie's great. The, the, the <laughs> casting is so spectacular. But basically, um, in present day, Facebook is thriving. Um, it is it is slowly becoming a, a, a multi million, multi billion dollar company. And the Winklevoss twins are suing, um, are finally suing Mark for, um, you know, for stealing their idea. And then, of course, we find out that Eduardo is suing him because um, he was systematically forced out uh, by the end of the film. We find out that he was systematically forced out and his share was dwindled down to next to nothing when really it was Eduardo's funding that that made Facebook what it was at, at the very beginning. Um, yes, we meet Brenda Song, who becomes Andrew Garfield's or Eduardo's girlfriend, who's a Google Gracie. Um, I love her. We I see her. Sean Parker become a more of an influence in Mark's life, and he starts to 
kind of control Mark and where Facebook is headed. Gets him, though, with some important meetings, including with Peter Thiel, who we know to be a horrible, horrible rich person um, who is currently trying to get citizenship in another country, literally right now in 2022, trying to get citizenship in another country so that he can get out, get out before shit hits the fan for him. But that's neither here nor there. Um, they <laughs> I'm, glad, get, I'm glad you weren't mad that I was literally vomiting while I was no, saying his they name. They <laughs> get um, half a million dollars from Peter Thiel's investment firm, which really takes Facebook off. But um, we find out that Eduardo signs papers um, uh, and contracts that basically say that at any point they can dwindle his share down to nothing if they if other investors come in. And that's exactly what happens. And basically what you're left with is Mark has this now 50, $550 billion company um, and has hundreds of, or I don't know if that's how much money it is. Maybe that's, it has 550 million users. It's 550 million users at the time of the film. Not now. It has way more than that now. It's like billions. But yeah, it's, it's worth billions of dollars, has millions of users. Um, and, but Mark is still alone. He doesn't have any friends. The only friend that he had was Eduardo and Eduardo's gone because when you use and abuse your friends, they don't stick around. Mm-hmm. Um, and even after all this money and all this acclaim and all this fame, um, he sat at the end of the film just wanting to be loved and accepted by the girl that dumped him at the Erica beginning of the Albright. film, sitting there refreshing his feed, um, trying to get her to accept his friendship, accept his friend request. So, Ugh, the ending was so good. It was it's perfect. So, it was just so brilliantly made. So um, the, the book that it's based on, um, which is called The... Accidental Billionaires, written by Ben Mesrick. Um, it was actually being finished when Aaron was approached to write it. And Aaron wrote, read, like, I think the first few pages of this manuscript and was like, oh, I'm in. I'm in, I'm in, I'm in. And Aaron went to writing right away. Um, for those of you who don't know Aaron Sorkin, how dare you? Shame on you. He is the brilliant writer of The West Wing, um, which is one of the best TV shows ever made. Fight me on that. The Newsroom, also one of the best Love TV shows it. ever made. Molly's Game with Jessica Chastain. Um, the Trial of Chicago 7, which came out a couple years ago. He's now started directing as well. Um, Moneyball with Brad Pitt. Um, About Oakland. Yes. So this is a brilliantly told story. As we said, it's it's sort of told in um, present day um, through the lens of the lawsuit between the Winklevi versus Zuckerberg and also Eduardo versus Zuckerberg. I love how you you made Winklevi oh, a yeah, plural. plural. Yeah. Um, and so, and then it's also, we also see the story play out with through flashbacks and it's brilliantly directed by David Fincher. David Fincher directed seven, uh, the curious incident or the curious case of Benjamin Button, um, gone girl. I mean, he's I, this director and writer team, I think is my favorite, one of my favorites that I've ever made. And they, they just did such a good job making this film. It's brilliantly cast. The one thing um, I did think that um, I think that Jesse is so good in this film. He is, he's not Mark. I mean, we now know, cause at the time I didn't really know. I don't think anyone really knew a lot about Mark Zuckerberg unless you were in that world. I think you just knew about Facebook, but you didn't know about the man behind yeah. it. Yeah. Since then, we now know so much about him, and we see him constantly, and he is so much a part of our world. And it, but it, like, it, Mark, it's, but, he's so much cooler in this. And Jesse's, yeah. Well, and he even admits that he, Mark Zuckerberg, admits that like I don't really remember partying. I don't really remember that being the impetus to why I made this thing. I just wanted to build something, and I don't. I, I think it's a little bit of both. I think that he wanted to build something, but I literally also, wrote. I know this is fictionalized, but it feels real. It <laughs> it does, and I I just think that, and I'll, we'll get into the larger context in a second. But 
Jesse's performance is so understated and emotional at just the right points. Like at the beginning of the film when he gets dumped by Emily, uh, played by an incredible Rooney Mara. Rooney's great. Holy crap. I was like, why isn't she in it more? Well, and I mean, I would have nominated her just for that first scene alone. It is so, so good. And it's classic Aaron Sorkin repartee, the, the I forgot that it was him. And I, within the first five minutes, I had to, I was like, is this Aaron Sorkin? Because it's got that Gilmore Girls, g- g- like, g- 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 little. G- 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 yes. I hate to say Gilmore Girls. No, but they write, but they write like very, very much in the same. Yeah, Amy yeah. Um, and pa- uh, Paladino. Paladino yeah. She really writes in that same vein. Um and Andrew Garfield is phenomenal in this movie. This was his sort of breakout role as well. Um, he had a lot of really good movies that came out that same year. And um, I thought that Justin Timberlake was great as Sean Parker. He was Parker. perfect for this Jonah role. Jonah Hill was almost going to be th- that. And I actually think that mm. he would have brought a little more of a layer but to Justin it. Justin looks like Sean. And also Justin... That that youngness, yeah, that smarmy young, like he's just I yeah I feel like Jonah would have made it too like funny for me, and I I know we saw him in like other things where he's like a lot more, but but Justin no. never like has that sleaziness already just oozing out of him. Yeah, that you're just like this I thought Brenda's fits. song was excellent. Um, and I thought um you know my opinions about Army Hammer aside, I thought he and 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 Max were great together. Because as you know, Army Hammer plays both twins. Um, they just, a la they, Parent Trap. Yeah, but they just filmed it with a body double. Um, I thought they were great, and I thought that whole story was so interesting. Yeah. Um, Because really, the thing about Mark, and he didn't steal, like that's the thing about Mark is that it is so clear that the Winklevi needed him to make their dreams happen. Mark didn't need them. Yeah. And Mark was a Mark didn't steal anything. He just took the, the sprinkle of an idea, made it a better one and then took it off and took off. And he, I mean, I, the way that Jesse plays him, if you would, if, if you were the inventors of Facebook, you would have invented Facebook. And I love when the, my favorite, one of my favorite scenes that Jesse does when he's looking out the window and the lawyer is trying to talk to him and he's like, do I have your attention? He goes, no, you do not. You do not have my attention. You have the bare minimum. You have the limited amount. It's just, it's really the, the 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 power that Jesse finds in the script, in the role that, great. You, that you really wouldn't see, that you really don't see looking at Marcus Zuckerberg in real life. It's just, it, it really dramatized the whole thing. Yeah. Um, now this film is still to this day regarded as one of the best films ever made. And I have to agree the way it's shot, the way it's written, the way that it takes a real world story and doesn't tell and fully admits it doesn't tell like it's, this is not a biography. This is not a documentary. It just, this is a dramatic retelling of a very important story, pivotal moment in what we now know will completely change the face of the world and how we relate to each other socially and how our culture is completely defined by who you are online. And it's just, I mean, it's just insane. Uh, it made $224 million on a $40 million budget. Um, to this day, I am so angry because this film should have won Best Picture and David Fincher should have won Best Director. It lost to The King's Speech in both cases. I haven't even seen The King's Speech. It is, a, it is fine. Anyone. That movie is fine. It's fine. It's it's perfectly fine. I also don't think that Colin Firth should have won for The King's Speech. I, believe, I mean, I think Colin Firth is an incredible actor. Do not get me wrong. And I think that this was, again, it's sort of a... This is his moment, career career Oscar. Uh, a little bit. I know people will fight back me on because playing a stud- playing the stuttering King George is is 
something to it is a it is a feat and he did a great job but i i personally think jesse and some other people in this category javier bardem jeff bridges james even james franco 100 127 hours i just i thought there were better performances yeah. this year um and it did win what i will say um and it i mean if it didn't win these then it, it really truly would have been um a travesty it did win Best screenplay, best adapted screenplay. I mean, the words were amazing. It won best film editing and it won best score. This is when Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross started. Yeah. And the score is so freaking good. Um, But yes, it lost sound mixing. It lost cinematography. It lost actor, director, and picture, which I'm just still not okay with it. But time kind of tells you what movies we're still talking about and we're still talking about the social network it's still regarded as one of the best films ever made it's been called a citizen kane of our generation and i mean recently both um or uh fincher eisenberg and uh and sorkin have all been approached like do you think there's a sequel and all of them are like well of course we we told us about we talked about a story that happened in 2006. We released it in 2010. Twelve years later, I mean, holy crap! To say that the world has changed and that Facebook and Mark Zuckerberg are not fully a huge part of it is an understatement. The understatement of the century, I would say. And there is absolutely a sequel here. So there's been whispers about them talking about doing it, but they the three of them have said we will only do it if the three of us are a part of it, which I think is there's no other way. There's to no do other it. way to do it. Um, I just. Um, but yeah, from the beginning, once Aaron started writing it and David wanted to direct it, it just, it kind of went off without a hitch. It was filmed <clears throat> different private schools on the East coast. There is a scene that is filmed, I believe at USC, just one tiny shot. Um, but it's filmed mostly on college campuses and mostly, um, prep schools on the, e- on the East coast, not at Harvard. Harvard since 1970, I can't remember the film, but they, some famous trees were famously damaged and uh, they were filming, I think a, a, about love or something, or something love in 1970. But since then Harvard's like, no, you're not, you're not allowed to film on our campus. Cause like, we just, that's not fair. We don't, we, we, we want to preserve um, Harvard's roots. Um, and I just think I cannot stress enough how great I think Jesse was in this film. And yeah, I, he was fantastic. I, and it's, it makes sense why he got the roles he did afterwards because like Lex Luthor, um, uh, the the you know the person in now you see me like he's got he has this great duality of playing like the self conscious um, you know um, nerdy uh, misunderstood a uh, young kid but also this like tinge of villainy this tinge of insanity this t- tinge of genius and you know now talking overall about what this movie is about like you know the 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 critic like again all across the board people pretty much love this film and and even though they know like there's an acknowledgement that like it, a lot of stuff is dramatized and not fully based on fact it it was just a great retelling but it got flack from people and people who didn't even see the film about like how this the script and the and the story is rooted in like misogyny and sexism and all this stuff and Aaron's like yeah no shit that's, that's exactly that's the culture I'm talking about this this white entitled misogynistic sexist wealthy class of people that run in these circles in these Ivy league high profile educational circles that like use people to their advantage and kind of the sense of entitlement, the sense of like I'm owed something. They flesh that out in all of these characters from the Winklevoss to Zuckerberg to, to Eduardo, to even. even Eduardo, like this culture, Sean, every single, Sean, every I mean, single man in this movie 
is a version of toxic masculinity. Absolutely. And, and they were just scratching the surface. And in the past 12 years with all of these social media apps, all of these dating apps, all of these networks online, even Reddit, even 4chan, all of these now underground places where people, it's becoming a very scary like Mark opened up the biggest can of worms ever and it's 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 now pervasive and now infected all of our lives and it's created like you know Rashida Jones at the end of the film when she's leaving she goes Mark you're not an asshole you're just so, trying so hard to be one I think that may have been true then I think he fully be- in became part of like he's fully now in it with the worst of them and this incel culture, which if you're not if you're not familiar with it, this 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 rise in involuntarily celibate men who hide behind their computers and this deep seated rage of being entitled and being being owed a woman love money power in the form of literal wealth or uh, or a woman as property. It's it is it is such a huge part of the internet culture. It's something that certain political leaders have really tapped into and gotten them to kind of sort of galvanize them and sort of them, they're now coming to the surface and we're seeing it everywhere. And, you know, I, I, I really hope that Jesse Eisenberg and David Fincher and Aaron Sorkin get together and they write a follow-up to this because it's, I think, I mean, and I feel like Aaron tried to do this a little bit with the newsroom, if you haven't watched it, Aaron, I feel like tried to expose this sort of this, the, this, uh, these radical, radical thinking in the media. I think that he tried to shed a light on it in newsroom. And I think that he could shed a light on it again with a follow-up to this movie, because I think even, I mean, again, I don't know Mark very well still, he's still an elusive figure to me, but I even think he at some point realized like, Oh, I've created something that can't be undone. Yeah. But at the end of the day, he's still jetpacking on water and no, I I think that making he, legs. I think made he up. is a huge part of the problem, and I think that I I, I I yeah, it's it's crazy. What I would like to see in the sequel, I think I I want to see leading up to and the I think it could be about the trial that he was on in front of the Supreme Court. And that would be yes. that would be basically the the privacy lawsuits. yeah the privacy problems yeah. the internet and it would cut through uh, post this movie essentially and then move into the privacy and all of that when he was basically the U.S. government was coming after him yeah um I I don't know if I mentioned the, I wanted to kind of clarify the the title card thing that happened at the end. Uh, when he's refreshing the page. So the Winklevite twins, um, they reached a $65 million settlement and they signed a non-disclosure agreement. A lot of people, um, and I think they're right, like they really weren't owed even that much. Like yeah. the claims they were making, honestly, they were, they were owed like uh, about like 6,500, like 6,500 million dollars. But like if it were really true, but they really weren't owed anything. They just fucked up and they just, opened up their mouths when they shouldn't have to someone who just took their idea or took a glimmer of their idea and made it way better than they ever could. But they were smart about putting everything in writing because that's how, that's technically intellectual property and that could be obviously as yes, it was but, fought in the court um, of law. 
They wrote Every, get everything in writing. And the Winklevoss twins, um, the one thing that they do, they're, they're they're supposed to be these um champion rowers who are going to lead uh, Harvard to victory in the Olympics. Um, they do they did go to the Beijing Olympics in real life and they lost. They ended up in sixth place. LOL. Um, Saverin, Eduardo, um, he received an unknown settlement. I'm, I don't know if that's even something that you can look at. And he, I tried to look it up. I couldn't find and it. And he is still, he's, he is still credited as a co-founder of Facebook under the masthead. Yeah. And his, his new entrepreneurial thing, I believe is for specifically a charity fundraising site. So he's yeah, doing, and I believe, things. and one, I, yeah, I think he's doing just fine. And then again, at the time of this film, which was 12 years ago, Facebook had 500 million members in 207 countries and it was valued at $25 billion. I feel like that is way more now, probably twice as much well, now. Well, because now Facebook has Instagram and Facebook also bought, I believe YouTube, I think is under the conglomerate. YouTube is Google. Google. You're right. Um, um, but, no, Facebook but Facebook is Instagram uh, yeah, and it's, it's, that whole beast. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's just, I mean, without all of this, without this story, we wouldn't have Twitter. We wouldn't have Again, all these underground 4chan Reddit It'd stuff. Crazy, we wouldn't yeah. have, um, yeah, any social media site that you could possibly think of. Grinder, any of that stuff. It's all rooted in this sort of the, the beginnings of this. Um, I also love that they mentioned, you know, they they kind of threw out all the, um, they they smartly threw out all of these like how Mark was at the time on campus. Like there were so many people there, like who were now. Nobel Prize winners, like Pulitzer Prize winners, whatever. And then there was a movie star. The movie star was Natalie Portman. She went there the same time that he did. Come on. We all have seen Natalie's and rap. She, well, and she famously has never been on Facebook and still does not know Mark. So what a flex. Um, if you haven't seen this movie, please do. It is a masterclass in filmmaking. It is a masterclass in storytelling. Um, Aaron, this is a great introduction to Aaron Sorkin and to David Fincher if you don't know them, which you should, because some of your favorite movies you probably don't even know wrote, were written or produced or made by them. Unfortunately, Kevin Spacey was the producer on this movie. Uh, you know that stuck um, out like a sore thumb. I know. I was, I was like, like, damn it! Kevin Spacey. Um, okay. Um, I know. And I thought about that one, so was Scott Rudin. Um, but that's the thing is like between the wine scenes on your film and between Scott Rudin and and and... Well, they at least Kevin Spacey and Scott Rudin let a good film be made. The Weinsteins after this up. Yeah. And and Kevin and 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 you know and Harvey are sexual criminals where um Scott is just more of um a very emotionally abusive criminal. Um criminals all around though. Um so yeah, I'm so glad we saw these movies but what I mean same. I really enjoyed I mean I love Cursed. I hadn't seen Cursed in years so it was great to kind of revisit I'm, it. Cursed is now going to be in my Halloween. It's a Halloween, repertoire. yeah. It's only on Paramount Plus, and I'm like, I, I get it because it was a Dimension, yeah. a Weinstein company. Film. Oh yeah, and Social Network is on Hulu. It, yeah. it's it's bounced around all of the platforms, but right now it's currently on Hulu, and you can watch but it. But I I need go watch Curse. I want Curse to get more attention. I would love to see Curse. I'd love to see a re-release in theaters. I would love the release the Craven cut. That's release the Craven say. cut. That is the that is what I am taking away from this episode. Okay, um, I want to know your highbrow, lowbrow of Curse, and I want to know your ranking. Oh. I think I'm going to give it just as much as I gave Batman. Honestly, I think I'm gonna give it four out of five because I, especially after hearing everything that you said, I really do believe in it and I believe what it could be. Um, and I don't think it's like a three and a half. I think that's too low. Okay. Cause three and a half, three is like all about Steve territory. And I don't want to get, you know, I don't want to go down there that okay. far. My highbrow moment of the film. Um, I think it. I think it was the Maya. I, I think it was the killing of the Maya killing. Was your highbrow moment? 
just because it was so well done. Yeah. And I thought it was, I it was really smart and I really liked that, that element. Okay. The lowbrow. Um, <laughs> I mean, there are so many, I mean, when, when the dog becomes the werewolf oh, yeah. for a moment, I was like, holy shit. Like, what are we, what That's is happening? Funny. Um, and I'm sorry, but Judy Greer, Judy Greer, the whole film is just, I don't know if it's a high bar or low bar moment, but she is just a star. Just delivering on all cylinders. I loved her smart ass comments. I love the the wolf flipping off the camera. Like that was great. All right, what about you? Um, highbrow moment for me has to be the final scene. Yeah. Um, where at the end he's like, "Do you mind if I just sit in here and play on the computer for a bit?" And it's literally just him friending Erica Albright and just refreshing and refreshing. And it's like, wow, this was really just all about his own insecurities. And how crazy that she's on. You know what I mean? She's on it. She's she on knows it. He made it. Yeah. It, but she has to be because it's, it's, it's it, you have to be. You have to be on Facebook. Everyone had to be. On, I'm like, honestly. Oh, I deleted, I deleted my Facebook a couple years I, ago. But. I haven't deleted it just because I need to still download all my photos from it. Cause I have all of my high school memories. Yeah. I, my, I, yeah I, that's exactly what I did. I pulled everything yeah. and then I said goodbye. I mean, I can't believe. Yeah. Wild. I mean, but I'm still on Instagram. So it's, yeah, that's, I'm still plugged in. Who we'll are we kidding? See. Um, and then I think my lowbrow moment would have to be, I don't know. I mean, some of like some of the Harvard scenes I thought were kind of lowbrow. I thought the Brenda song setting the thing on fire was kind of stupid. That I really want to know if that actually happened. Yeah. But like, I don't know. And then I don't, I just, Justin Timber like annoys me a little bit. So I think like some of the scenes with him. And that's the thing is like, it's, it's so perfect for the, for the role and, and for the, yeah. and for what that character yeah. serves in the script. But, but there yeah. wasn't really like too much lowbrow for this movie. No, but it was it's more pretty... like things. But I actually am only going to rate it 4.5 out of 5. I think that's fair because like Birdman is is yeah. is 5. I give it 4.5 Eddie's out of 5 just because Birdman was, for me, if I compare these two films together, I liked Birdman a lot more. No, that's fair. That's fair. So, but I, I do love that twice. I love that we've, we've covered two of like my top five movies of all time. Okay. Birdman. Should we, should we reveal who we're going to do for? Go for it. So we've done two men in a row, so it's time to bring the ladies back into the picture. Totally. All about that. And I am going to do the superstar, because I get to choose because this is going to be my birthday episode, um, star of two superstars, and that is Kate Hudson. God bless her. She's, She's incredible. The best. Um, and we, there were so many movies to choose from. I mean, the highbrow film that we're going to do, I think, is the, the clear choice because she was nominated for an Oscar. She should have won, in my opinion. Almost Famous would be the highbrow film. Now, I wanted to do How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. I wanted to do Raising Helen. I wanted to do Skeleton Key. But Matthew is a Kate Hudson fan as well. So I'm going to pull a little one out of the vault that he hasn't seen. But it has another actress that he likes. And it's written by people that we love as well. And that is Bride Wars. Oh, my God. Yeah, and I, that's actually one of the only Kate Hudson films I haven't seen. And I haven't seen this movie in ages so it's gonna be a nice refresh so it will be a you. good refresh for me and we both love and are obsessed with casey rose wilson and june diane raphael and they wrote this script so it's just i think it's just gonna be a really fun episode all around i think it's gonna be really great and yeah. i from what i remember this movie is completely silly great. and so bonkers great so you know as much as we would love i mean i say still go watch how to lose a guy in 10 days it's on Netflix. oh my god if ever i mean my, my sisters and i my mom if ever it's on we drop everything we watch it so like um, still go watch it. Maybe we'll still just talk about it a little bit. Maybe we'll talk about it a little bit, too. Because <laughs> maybe we need to bring it in. Because um, we just need to talk about it. Yeah. Um, but 
Almost Famous and Bride Wars, you'll actually will have to rent. I believe Almost Famous, you can actually watch it on Hulu if you have like a premium subscription or you have stars. But you can but see with stuff like that, y'all, this is a little handy dandy trick if you don't know this. Like you can always sign up because most of these things have trials, seven day, 30 day trials. Sign up for the trials, set a reminder in your phone to cancel it and like knock out some movies that you've always been wanting to yeah. see. Um, yeah, Stars is about to get rebranded as MGM Plus, so I don't know what that's going to be. We'll see. Um, but but yeah. yes, welcome to another episode of Highbrow Lowbrow. Uh, make sure you like, rate us, and subscribe us wherever you listen to us, whether that's SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play Music, iTunes, or Spotify. Watch us on YouTube. Subscribe to us on YouTube. Um, we're going to be uh, doing more content on Instagram and um, TikTok, TikTok. Finally. And that handle is Highbrow Lowbrow Pod. And uh, we'll see you next week in Mexico. Yes, we will be filming on location abroad in Mexico, celebrating Eddie and his birthday. And uh, we'll see you there. Adios. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs>